Welcome back to the VV Nation podcast. It's part six of the Ultra Running Diary series, where we share our journey scanning from 10K fitness to 100K ultra. Chris and Nick here as usual. We're just over a week out from our 67 mile ultra. And once again, we're joined by our cousin and ultra mentor, James Randall, who, if you listened to the last episode, was about to take part in his first ultra event of the year called The Wolf. Hello, gents. How are you doing? Hi, Chris. Hello. Hello. So, Chris, I the main topic. Nervous. <laughs> well, if you're, you're nervous, nervous. <laughs> that's both well for us, yeah. I need to ask why before we go any further. Because it's still a very, very long way, and I think nerves are a healthy part of it because it it makes you not complacent about what we're about to undertake. It's never going to be easy, and it's otherwise it wouldn't be such a challenge for all of us. And you know, how many times do you do it? It's it's still along at sixty seven miles. Ah, it's a long just way. when I forgot the distance and was feeling good about myself, that now makes me feel ter- ter- like terrified again. <laughs> See, I, I know that I haven't got through the intro yet, but I feel oddly calm. And since we did the fifty k, which we'll talk about in a second, I, I think the weight's lifted off my shoulders. I know that I can't do anything else now, so I'm kind of like, well, that's it. Got to do it. Well, good. You stay calm. Do. I'll do the worrying for you. <laughs> yeah, I'm clearly very naive. But anyway, um, main topic today we're going to cover is, is tapering. And we're halfway through what we've set ourselves as a two week taper. And we're also going to talk to James about how the wall went. Um, we're going to talk a little bit about how our training has gone over the last few weeks. And we're going to speak a little bit as well about the importance of time on feet when you're training for an ultramarathon. So, Chris, I thought it would be good for us to just summarise the last little section of training. Um, how's it gone for you? So last time we spoke was actually a while back now. We've had a bit of a break between podcast episodes, but I had failed a couple of my marathon attempts and um, stopped at 20 miles. So since then, I would say things have gone pretty well and I've just about done enough, in my opinion, to kind of be ready and i can see james laughing at me <laughs> but since since the last podcast i have now done back-to-back 100 mile months um i've done a solo marathon and as you just mentioned there we've done our 50k hike with a bit of running um which we'll talk about why it was more of a hike than a run um i've also dabbled a bit with fueling so um i know nick we we did that 50k with the well we tried to mimic the gear that we'd carry on the day which is the first time i've done that we went for time on feet as one of the main goals rather than speed or anything like that because speed was basically irrelevant we chose a really difficult route as well so it was very hilly um, and we fueled heavily during that day to see what it was like to take on f- uh, food during um so i'm pretty pleased but what I would say is I'm very nervous <laughs> because I, at the end of my solo marathon, I was exhausted, to be honest with you, which I ran. Um, and at the end of the 50K, I wasn't exhausted in the same way because obviously we were going slower, but it wasn't quite halfway and it, things were starting to hurt a lot. <laughs> so what was your take nick and why don't you tell everyone about the 50k that we did 
Yeah, it was a really interesting day. So we felt that it was really important that we spent a significant amount of time on our feet because all of our runs, our longest runs prior to that had obviously been something in the region of between five and five and a half hours, which would be the marathons. I had done the weekend before 50k over two days, but we, we'd really not been on our feet over the course of one day for long enough. So we did hike it. We hiked the whole thing. It was a tough course. We actually went on the South Downs Way, which is absolutely beautiful, lovely place to walk, but it, it's tough. It's tough terrain. It's very up and down. There's basically no flat sections at all. So it, it just tested the body in different ways to what I was used to. And I definitely woke up the next day feeling like different muscles were aching. Um, and the other thing that happened for me, so I, I was bragging a week ago about how I'd never get blisters. I blistered quite badly. I got two pretty big blisters from the hike. So the philosophy there was just to basically be out for 10 hours to fuel for that period of time. It's pretty hot day. The weather's been pretty hot. And that's definitely something I'm really concerned about for the ultra is the temperature and the effect that that has on me as a runner. I definitely struggle to maintain my fluids when I'm running in hot weather and we walked right through the heat of the day. So I thought it was really good. I'm going to be honest. I feel, I feel under, I know I'm undercooked. I know that over the totality of my training, I haven't done as much as I wanted to do when I set out. There have been some positives, like I've done some really good back-to-back weekends, but I just haven't run enough. And I think I've had some illnesses um, over the last month and a half that have just put me out for a couple of weeks at a time. So, yeah, what was your what was your perception, Chris, of the 50K? Well, I'll ask you in a minute if you think it, well, th- well think it, yeah, I guess think it, if it was the right thing to do. Um, my perception was... I got some really interesting learnings out of it. So within minutes of getting home after that day, I quickly ordered some new gear, things that didn't feel quite right. Um, mainly my boxes, actually. Um, chafe was a bit of an issue because it was hot and obviously I was sweating because of that. Uh, similar to you, I wasn't happy with my water bottle situation. Um, so ordered a few more water bottles. I got another go pod which is basically a little pouch that sits on front of your rucksack so you can access it a lot easier um and on the the new go pod that i've got is going to be a bottle will be in it so i can get it basically um so from a learning point of view i thought it was very very valuable more valuable than maybe doing say a, a six hour run for of the same distance six or seven hour run of the same distance because my biggest fear was that even if you've done the distance we're going to be out there for a long long time on race day and we've never done anywhere near that sort of time just moving generally just moving so i know we were running little bits when we could sort of like 100 to 200 meters here and there but it was for me all about time on feet and i said that to you a while back when we looked at this big run that i just wanted to be out basically for 10 hours across the heat of the day as well just to get used to the body um moving for that much time so back to my first what i just said then nick do you think that was the right decision or do you think we should have run 50k properly i mean i'll be honest i was pushing to run 50k and i i was my argument was that i just don't see how we could um approach the actual day without having that kind of distance in the bag but when i say run it would have been a run walk but i think the the great benefit of what we did 
and why I would definitely advocate this as a strategy for anyone who's doing their first ultra is that you do prior to the the 50k walk on the Friday I had absolutely no idea what it feels like to still be moving after that length of time it was a complete unknown for me so what it did is it actually kind of helped me to understand a little bit about what it feels like to be quite deep into physical activity and like you say Chris you start working out where your bag's going to rub you start yeah. working whether out whether your gear is right you start thinking about like is my fueling strategy actually appropriate for a really long amount of time and you can then start thinking about pacing so I was immediately projecting like we've done 50k and it took we did 10 hours it's very relaxed we weren't pushing so then you start thinking right on the day I can sort of work out what kind of pace I should be moving at and like James you you were and you surprised I will be honest you surprised me this because you advocated quite strongly for us to do this as a walk so what was your thinking there why did you think that that was a better thing for us to do than to try and run it purely the length of time between that and the actual event um going 50k and running it hard for the first time would take so much out of your bodies physically that i didn't think you'd have enough time to recover um from doing it and so there's limited use physically to have done that whereas mentally spending that time on your feet and having the learnings as chris said was was much more important at that stage if it if you'd done it say three weeks prior to when you did it i'd advocate trying to do it as fast as you can or going further but i think we were trying to get the right balance for you of time on feet distance and still being or not not being over the top by the time you get to the start line in london next week that raises yeah, an think... interesting point i think because obviously the main topic today is tapering and we did that 50k two weeks out so what you're kind of suggesting there then is is the two-week taper that we've started not long enough would you advise normally going for that big run earlier and then you do a longer taper <laughs> yes and also <laughs> a taper is there to help your body recover from weeks and weeks and weeks of grueling training and i'm not sure your bodies really have that much to recover from <laughs> Wow. Well, I feel that, that that's harsh because I, I said to you, Nick, a couple of weeks back that having the, the run journey that I've been on started basically going from zero miles a month in November to I think I did 12 or something like that in December and then suddenly doing multiple months of 60, 70, 80, now 90 miles a month. And I get the feeling now that my body's just kind of rejecting running <laughs> I, it's it's a strange feeling because being a cyclist by nature I've always felt that you, the more cycling you do the better you get at it and the more comfortable it is but my body is feeling now that the more running I do the less I'm actually improving and the more niggles I'm getting and uh, one of the reasons as well that I wanted to do the 50k is more of a hike than a run uh, was because of that as well. Um, because I, I can't remember exactly what I said to you, Nick, but do you remember we were talking? I basically said, I think physically I've peaked a little bit. My body needs a bit of a rest. Yeah, I mean, we. I think actually on the last podcast, I spoke about the fact that the minute I'd run the marathon on my own, which I actually did back in May, 
I haven't really felt 100% since then. And actually, for me, I think the sign that this has been pretty much the limit of what I can do is that I just keep getting ill. And I did speak to a friend of mine who's a physio and a, and a, a fitness expert. We've had him on the on a previous podcast on VV Nation. He said that, and James, I don't know, I, I'd, be, I'd love to know your experience of this, James, because I don't think this happens to you. But he said that it's quite normal for your immune system after like long runs of, let's say, three hours plus to be sort of compromised for a little bit of time afterwards. And I just, I just had a period of time where I just kept on getting bugs. And I think what James is saying about taper is bang on. Like we definitely did not intend to do that 50 K two weeks and one day before the race, we had to shift our schedule because we both were poorly and it just kind of all kind of got shunted a little bit. So I think there's been a lot of improvisation, hasn't there? It hasn't been, I don't think any training plan, I think it's really naive to think that you're ever going to stick to a training plan to perfection, but there definitely has been a lot of improvisation. There's been a lot of having to be quite flexible and, and maybe actually that's been, we've taken that a bit too far. And I think actually we've been a little bit too willing to sort of drop a run or change a run. And that's where I think real successful ultra marathoners are just so determined. They just stick to the routines really well. Yeah, I mean, the flexibility, I think, has saved us in a way, though, because realistically, knowing what we now know, we've mentioned it before, but we're both first time parents um, with full time jobs and the training over the eight, an eight month training plan wasn't sustainable for me for eight months. So four months of it before it really started ramping up I think we were both stuck to it fairly well um and then it it literally just wasn't possible you know we've both got duties to do basically and I couldn't just go out all day unless I was getting up at four o'clock in the morning or five o'clock in the morning but in the early that, days of parenting you know that's I was getting three hours sleep so I couldn't really do that and go out for five hour runs but um, that is what people do, Chris. And that's the thing. Like, I, I know. think if this, if this was something that we were doing, that wasn't a one-off. If this was something that we wanted to do, we wanted to improve it. That is, I genuinely, I've been part of like, you know, Facebook groups on ultramarathon running. And that is how people work around that. That's how parents who do this make it work. I don't think I could do that. It's not sustainable for me on a personal level. And I've got so much ad admiration for uh, people who do juggle all these things and do it successfully because I haven't been able to do that I don't think I've I've really kind of struggled to find the right balance between training work parenting yeah no you, you're totally right so I guess let's bring James in there uh, so James firstly on next question has your immune system ever suffered from the long runs because you do seem to do the long runs and it doesn't impact your lifestyle at all I know you still go out you drink a lot you eat out a lot your diet isn't fantastic. Um, <laughs> <laughs> shots fired. Um, so what, what do you think about that? Turns so out you define fantastic. I like my diet. <laughs> no, I didn't say you didn't like it. <laughs> I'd like your diet as well. <laughs> um, yeah, I think it's... I've always been able to adapt from long runs, though, so it's not really... something. I, I, I tend to get it... I do tend to feel a bit down after the races because that's when I have to stop and recover properly. So particularly when I had the, the two weeks after the wall, I think I ran two five Ks in those two weeks. And I found that I found that more difficult 
physically because I'm not doing anything and I like to be active. Um, but in terms of training, I haven't really suffered as Nick described it. Um, maybe it's, you know, the fact that whiskey after a long run helps. I think it's because you've conditioned yourself there as well, James, haven't you? Whereas for us, like every time we've gone up a gear, it's been a, it has been a big jump. Yeah. Probably more of a shock to the system and the body. What, what has surprised me a bit though is maybe, as Chris said, it, yeah, I'd, I'd expected Chris to maybe utilise his cycling experience more to keep his fitness up. Whereas I'm not sure you've done a huge amount of cycling either. Um, that is a good point because we spoke about this in one of the earlier episodes about the value of cross training and cross training was a massive part of our Tra- the, the training plan that we are following and I think Nick it's fair to say that both of us have been absolutely woeful at doing cross training I've yeah. tried various bits at the gym but James is right I haven't touched my bike in ages now and I've almost become consumed by just running um, I mean let, let me give you a great example of that I I did my first plank two days ago <laughs> <laughs> one one minute and I was absolutely shaking <laughs> there you go so, i think it's a bit too late nick <laughs> i don't know what <laughs> i'm trying to achieve value. but i just yeah, yeah. <laughs> i tried various things earlier on in the process i know i was doing the odd challenge every now and again a press-up challenge a plank, a plank challenge for like 30 days but again just nothing seemed to stick um and that is one area of massive disappointment because they're things that i actually really enjoy doing so i really thought that the running would complement that but instead what I found is because I was pushing myself out of my comfort zone quite a bit with the running I basically just didn't have time to do what I wanted to do because all of my time and energy was going into running or parenting um but James you mentioned your two-week grace period after the wall but if we go back then to the beginning of the wall because you were telling us on the last episode about dealing with injuries in the run-up to to the big event um so we've obviously spoken since you finished the wall but why don't you tell everyone how the wall went and any advice that we can take from it that can apply to the canterbury trails because you did have an injury which means you went slower than you were anticipating which is more similar to the speed that we'll probably be going still a bit faster but <laughs> you know my my plan was to actually not sit down at all during the pit stops because the best way to manage my injury i found was keeping moving um, but it was quite a warm day and my feet were sweating and um i started to feel some blisters so at the 24 mile pit stop i sat down to change my socks and apply some treatments and I sat down for about three or four minutes and then when I stood back up everything just cramped up on my right leg and the groin strain started to come into play and at that point I was an hour ahead of where I was um, when I'd done it three years previously. Um, I think my fastest mile in 2018 was 10 minutes and two seconds. I never broke the 10 minute barrier and of the first 24 miles, I think 18 of them were around nine and a half minutes. So I was actually feeling really good. Um, and then the injury started to play havoc. And then we got into the, the hills. And I think I also alluded on the last podcast 
to the fact that I tend to have mental dips between about 20 and 35 miles. So the fact that the injury occurred during that mental dip as well meant I was just in a really bad place for about two hours. So I think the main important thing is to, you know, as we know, my family nickname is Professor Doom, and I like to catastrophize things in my head and think of the worst case scenarios, and that actually helped because I say, okay, here's the plan B or here's the plan C. Um, and eventually, um, I, mean, I was able to get into rhythm towards for the final 25 miles where I could walk for eight minutes and jog slowly for two just because that helped utilize different muscles and actually cause my feet to hurt less just by adapting the way my body was moving. So I got into quite a nice rhythm. Once I accepted I wasn't going to beat my time, it was kind of just quite a get it done. I do think the my familiarity with the wall helped as well because I was able to break it up into manageable sections. And I think my my main fear about the Canterbury Trails is we are all heading into the unknown in terms of the route. And also, I again managed to finish the wall in daylight, just about. It was the sun was setting, um, but it was longest day of the year. And running in the dark is going to be very different. And we're going to spend quite a few hours in the dark when we're tired it's unfamiliar and so the main the main is just to stay positive it is it's it's so easy to get yourself down a rabbit hole but i think we've all got to work to keep each other's spirits up to get it done because you will you will complete it i'm convinced it may be painful it may be slow you'll get there. We'll get there. Yeah. Inspirational words. <laughs> I do agree with what James says. I said, I actually said this to Chris earlier that I, I think there's a definite possibility that we could be walking or running in the dark for maybe even like five hours potentially. And that, that does make me feel quite nervous because it's well, just, I'm, that, I'm strangely not afraid of that for some reason. I don't really know why, but that doesn't bother me. Let's just have a look at when. Um, so sunrise in Canterbury on the 7th and 8th is 5.30 and sunset is 8.30. So taking that into account, we could actually run in the dark for nine hours from sunset to sunrise if it's going badly. We could run through the night, is what I'm saying. We have to be prepared I really, for I, that. I think if that happens, I think something's gone badly wrong. I think by my... It by could my go badly, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, no, I, yeah. The key learning is to prepare for stuff to go wrong. Yeah. And then if it doesn't happen, fantastic. If it does, it's not going to overwhelm you to the extent that everything else goes to pot. Yeah. There's a part of my mind that is prepared for the possibility that we walk and it takes 24 hours and if that's what it takes i think if that happens it will be that someone's injured or has a has a physical problem but if that's what it takes i'm i'm prepared to do that yeah and there are some people who will plan to hike the whole way 
yeah. the final finishes on the wall um, took 25 hours, 32 minutes. And no one's going to turn around to them and go, oh, that's terrible. You should have done it in 24 hours or 20. It, it doesn't matter. Uh, that, that's the beauty of ultras is unless you're trying to win it, which I don't think any, any of us are, um, uh, the time <laughs> is, is irrelevant. Yeah. Yeah, I think two interesting points there. Um, I think the team spirit for me is going to be crucial and maintaining positivity because we'll all probably have, well, certainly me and Nick will have very, very low points. And I'm, I know that I'm going to have to go into the deepest, darkest bits of my mind to sort of get through it. Um, but the second thing is you talked about changing strategy. So... I guess we haven't really spoken about strategy as a three. I know me and Nick did a bit of planning during the 50K, but what do you think the value is of having various strategies? And at the same time, you've given me bits of advice over the last couple of weeks, like you're going to change your socks every pit stop. So are they things that we should set out before we get to race day, that this is exactly what we're going to do and try and stick by? Or should we be quite flexible with that? I think it's, again, I think to try and maintain mental strength throughout the run, it's important to be flexible because if you think you're going to have a rigid plan and it starts to go away from that plan, again, mentally you can get a bit overwhelmed and panicky because it's not going to your, your deeply planned uh, itinerary. So I think flexibility is an absolute key. Mm. Yeah. No, if you that start beating sense. yourself up because you miss certain targets or you run for four minutes out of that 10 instead of six minutes and you start you know, beating yourself up, that's when you can really lose it. And I think, you know, I was most proud of myself for the wall because I was on my own, you know, the whole time. Didn't have any supporters up there. So just to keep it going was good. And I'm actually looking forward to having you two as company much it pains me to say it yeah you won't be saying that when we get about 30 miles in <laughs> we were saying on the, on the 50k hike weren't we Nick, that james, james doesn't know what he's in for <laughs> yeah the conversation went some really weird places because i mean there is a limit to what you can actually chat about that has any kind of <laughs> relevance or or is sensible conversation <laughs> so i am um, so i prepare a little game of my coronavirus death drinking game anything like that we actually we we did speak about this actually we, we were talking about like having like a little quiz or even just it seems bizarre but something it, to take your mind off it basically <laughs> we we went through our top five rom-coms top five <laughs> horror films <laughs> um what else did we go through nick Oh, I mean, ultimately, we banged on some music, but any, like anything to just make a little passage of time. It's also the first day of the football season, so I'll be hoping for updates from Derby, and you'll get it from Pompey Nick. So, yeah, brilliant. That, that was, <laughs> yeah, the absolute shambles is Derby County Football Club. Sure to improve my mood. I mean, the, the one thing I will say is I think the problem with walking is uh, you don't get that sense of progression. Like, it is painfully slow how quickly you tick off the miles. And that's something that I think is going to bother me because... <laughs> it's funny you should say that because 
it was around mile 50 of the wall and as a little drink stop and then you turn right down some country lanes i remember this distinctly from last time and this this old guy must have been about 70 turned into it from the other direction just ahead of me and he was in a duffel coat with you know smart work shoes and normal trousers and i was walking because i was injured so i'm still going to come i was walking at a fair pace and the country lane was about three miles long and by the end of the three miles he was about 400 yards ahead of me i was like i'm i'm in proper running gear and i'm trying to walk as quick as i can this guy is in normal shoes and he it was pounding the roads i've no idea where i was going but it just you know what i thought was a quick walking pace obviously was not a quick walking pace yeah and and, and you're right because you know if i'm if i'm going out for a run i think right i've got 20 miles to go um i can do that in in three hours and then having the mental thing that actually that 20 miles could take me five or six hours is quite tough it's a different kind of challenge isn't it and that's why i think i am keen to try and do this as quickly as we can safely because i do think that actually being out there for a very very long time is in its own way very difficult yeah, and that's why I think, I think you know, the one strategy that we have agreed is that we will Jeff for as long as we can. Yeah. doesn't matter how much, but just run when we can, walk the uphills, walk when we want to, but keep mixing it up because that keeps it interesting and keeps your body using different muscles. Yeah. I'll be honest, Chris, I'm actually, I am excited. It feels like the end of a very long journey and for all the ups and downs and the problems that we've had with the training and you know, by our own admission, maybe not doing enough. But I, I genuinely just want to go out there and, and do it now. Yeah, I'm I'm also excited. I'm as ready, I think, as I'll ever be. Um and I'm starting to get sort of like the pre pre-race nerves and also adrenaline. So I've you know begun putting my kit together. We've got our charity t shirt sorted. Um so yeah I, I also am quite excited i guess um definitely excited to finish <laughs> okay so i think a good place to finish then is just actually to talk about how we're going to use the last eight days until the event so we've already mentioned james that we're, we're in the tapering phase what would you have us do over the next eight days because of course we followed your advice superbly up to this point so <laughs> <laughs> yeah i mean <laughs> i'm kind of banging my head against the brick wall here as ever. I think distance-wise, do whatever you're comfortable with. You know, Nick, you mentioned before we got on the call about maybe doing a half marathon. That's fine. It should be really slow. But I would also recommend doing it with full rat race mandatory kit that you're going to be carrying on the day. So just try and treat it. Like I said, do the prep at the same time. Try and set off at the same time. We're going to set off next week. So, yeah, get up when you're going to get up next Saturday eat what you're going to eat for breakfast, replicate that routine. So that's one less thing to worry about on the day. That's really interesting, actually. Really good idea. Yeah, I like that. Anything else, James? Uh, I know you're quite into your sports massages, aren't you? So I do have one booked for Monday, five days out. Yeah, although less so since I've got my own massage gun, which is a godsend. It's a good bit of kit, yeah. It's a good bit of kit. I think 
the other thing just to note which is a bit of a classic move by us nick is that we still haven't actually got the mandatory kit list yet so <laughs> in uh in typical last minute dot com fashion i have got most things now but the one thing i haven't got is the tape seams waterproof bottoms which is on my agenda this weekend nick i think there's a few things you still need to get isn't there yeah i've got quite a list but i am now on school holidays so i've kind of i've i have put that off with the intention of going out and just cracking it maybe on like monday or tuesday but now james has said that i should run with it all in the bag it's a big I'm day tomorrow thinking i'm rethinking my choices <laughs> What it, are you... it's just it's very useful because the bag gets quite heavy with all the stuff in and making sure you can access what you want so like i don't i i have the waterproof jacket and the tape seams trousers and everything but i don't intend to use them i only want to use them in an emergency so they go right to the bottom of the bag and you want things that you can access at the top so just even trying that out yeah the, the good thing is when we're running together is that We'll be able to open each other's bags and get and stuff there out. was me thinking you're about to say the good thing is you'll be able to carry our bags for us <laughs> <sighs> well it wouldn't surprise if it ends up with three bags yeah <laughs> and apart from <laughs> yeah true apart from kit then nick are you going to be doing anything else in the next seven days I'm like, like I like James just said. I am going to keep running, but just very slow pace and much shorter distances. So I think once I've done that, if I do a half marathon, which I'd, I'd like to do, probably on Sunday. So that's what six days before. After that, it will be really kind of just rest, relaxation. I'll go out for a couple of really short jogs in the week, like two to three miles, but just very very slow. Because I've read a lot that you can almost over taper, and the idea that it should be like there is a point at which you go too far in the other direction and that you you lose a little bit of the race readiness so i don't want to do that <laughs> not that i've got much to lose but you know you want to start that that race day feeling fresh though don't you you do i think that's the really important thing for me now yeah but you don't but want I, to be too fresh because you, that, if, if you're too fresh you're in danger of going off too quickly and ruining because you're so excited you've got all the adrenaline going through you and your legs haven't done anything for a week and you're like it shoots off and even getting it wrong in the first mile can really cost you 15 well, miles Yeah, but I, also I do I do have some of that adrenaline already. I'm very much like feeling quite wired about it. And I think it would be good for me just to kind of just let the pressure off a little bit with short runs. Yeah, true. You're, you're obviously thinking that you're going to do nothing, Chris. <laughs> no, I, I will do some short runs and I will also do a longer run at the weekend. Probably not a half marathon, but 10 miles maybe um, yeah, my miles, final prep is going to be more around just conditioning the body so about a week ago i started doing yoga a lot um just to try and get rid of all those little aches and pains so i will i will carry on the running doing shorter runs and spending time with feet i'll do a bit of walking but it's yeah i'm going to be doing a fair bit of gym work just not like heavy lifting or anything like that but just gentle cycling at the gym um using the spa facilities eating real clean as well for the last week and i really really want to get the build up to the event right and james this is my last question to you but in the in the three days prior how important is it to get 
the preparation right for that and by preparation I mean what I'm planning is sleeping in a separate room um, those sorts of things like eating the right things getting more sleep than I'm used to maybe up in your water intake those sort of sort of things for an ultra it's actually less important mm, okay um, because for a marathon or a half marathon you're relying on your body's natural fuel to an extent and you've got to eat right but on an ultra you're going so slow and there's so much food at the pit stops and you know the rap race events are phenomenal in the support that they provide and there's just so much food that you'll get what you need on the day mm, so that's interesting because my current bag is packed to the brim with protein bars and stuff like that no nah, don't need save it save some space mm okay get give them to your family to bring to pit stops if you need extra but one so i obviously didn't mention when you asked about learning to the wall but i took so much stuff in my bag that i didn't end up using because i was just topping up each time at the pit stops mm. so if you can save space in your bag your shoulders will definitely appreciate it yeah i think that's very valuable advice well because they have checkpoints as well as pit stops and checkpoints aren't full pit stops but they do have sweets available and stuff and you can top up your waters so yeah that don't don't underestimate the the level of support there is from the rat race crew yeah and that that's one of the reasons why we chose a, a rat race event i guess um so i mean the race is almost upon us we've spoken about our reflections of how we think the training's gone but james are we where you want us to be i mean Obviously, at the start, I don't think we are where anyone wanted us to be. But um, knowing what's happened in the last eight months since we began this journey, how how would you assess how we've done? You are like university students who started the term with best intentions and went to all your lectures in the first couple of weeks. Then you found a couple of nice course buddies and you started photocopying their notes and you know skipping a few few late nights and then you haven't probably done all the stuff that you need for your exam as much as you'd have liked but you've crammed you know had a couple of all-nighters at the last minute and you know enough to get you through the exam with probably a 2-1 you know you're not going to get a first class you're not going to come top of your year group or win any awards but you've You've done enough to to get through the exam. Bizarrely, you have actually just described my university experience. Yeah. <laughs> I'll definitely take a two one. <laughs> a two one right now feels really good. Yeah, it feels <laughs> wonderful. <laughs> yeah, that's that's a fairly yeah. Can't really argue with that analogy. Uh, I, I think, think that's the other tip I'd have though: visualize. And think about how you're going to feel when you cross that finish line. Think about why you're doing this, you know, for your dad, my uncle. Think about the emotion you're going to have when you do it and hold on to that because that will get you through the dark points of the races. So start thinking about how good you are going to feel when you get into that finish area and mm. bottle that up and hold on to it. Yeah, yeah. I, that is something I couldn't agree with more. And we spoke about that in episode one of having a really strong reason of why you're doing it. 
because that's what's going to get you through it. Um, but that's that's it from us today. We'll have one more podcast the day before the race where Nick and I will be talking about just pre-race nerves and pre-race preparation. We'll have hopefully got all of our kit by then. And then, so. <laughs> and then one final podcast of the series, which will be post-race with, with all of us reflecting on how we've done. And hopefully we'll all be... Well, James alive. is obviously an, an ultra. Yeah, alive would be nice, but um, ultra marathon finishes of the Canterbury Trails. So, thanks for joining us again, James, and thanks for listening. And bring on the event. Cheers, boys. Bye. <laughs> You've been listening to the VV Nation podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in. If you like what you heard, don't forget to rate it, share it, and subscribe. And please stay fit and active. And you can follow us on our social channels on Twitter at VV Nation Fit, Facebook at VV Nation and Instagram at VV underscore Nation. Also check out our website vvnation.co.uk for all of our podcast episodes and don't be afraid to send us a message and get in touch. Thank you.